Welcome to John Longwell Media. Creative multimedia including music, inspirational messages, and audio prose. Today's message is entitled, Let the Weeds Grow, recorded on August 4th, 2019 at Revive Church in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, where John serves as a teaching pastor. I pray you will be blessed by the message as you listen. Here now is John Longwell. All right, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to get into your word today. Lord, I do ask that we would come expectant this morning, that Lord Jesus, as we do so with confidence, Lord, we should know that we will take something away, that you will not allow your word to go forth, but having done the exact thing that you have um, predestined for it to do. So I pray that I would decrease, that you would just speak through me, speak in spite of me, Father God, that our hearts would be open and fertile to have you sow the seeds of good things, powerful things within our lives and in our hearts that we might walk them forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, there's, I don't think too many new people here. My name is John Longwell. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. Um, Sean and Merrigan, they went to San Diego. I'm very jealous. I love San Diego. That's a great place to be if you're not in church. Um, so today we're going to be looking at um, a parable. And uh, it's a very interesting parable. And so I'm going to approach it a little bit differently. I want us to kind of go together as a church on a little bit of, a, of an exploration. Because I, I honestly had a lot of challenges with this particular parable. This parable is found in no, no other gospel but the gospel of Matthew. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to the um, 13th chapter of Matthew, we're going to be looking at the parable of the weed. And um, I've entitled the message, Let the Weeds Grow. Not let the weed grow. It's not like, oh, okay, cool. Finally, he's on board with these new changes of society. It's not that kind of message. Um, all right, so I'm going to go ahead and we're going to read the text first. And then I'm going to kind of get into it and break it down. So uh, Matthew 13, beginning in verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the weeds and went away. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servant came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. Now, um, if you've ever flown on an airplane, they have those little airline magazines. They have the little games and stuff in them. I like to do the crosswords only because they have the answers in the back. And um, this scripture is kind of like that because if you will go down to verse 36, we actually get the answer or the explanation for this particular parable. It says in verse 36, Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. 
and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears, let him hear. All right. So let's go back up to verse 24 and let's kind of let's kind of do a little exploration here. In verse 24, it says Jesus told them another parable because throughout much of his ministry, Jesus spoke in parables. In fact, in verse um, chapter 13 here, he just got done speaking about the parable of the sower and the seed. And that's another kingdom of heaven kind of parable where he basically is saying that the seed fell on different kinds of soil and depending on which kind of soil and that soil was kind of a representation of the, the condition of the heart. So whatever kind of seed that fell upon, that was going to be the outcome of that seed. Some of that soil was hard and the seed didn't take root. Some of the, the seed fell upon soil that was rocky. And so the cares of the world, it kind of um, didn't allow the seed to take root. And then some of that seed fell on fertile soil, which allowed it to take root and to also um, grow and bear fruit. And so Jesus in speaking in a parable, we think a parable, oh, wow, it's just so mystical. It's a biblical thing. No, it wasn't. It was just so basically it was YouTube of that day when a person wanted to share a story, they would package it in a parable because a story of a parable was about something concrete. It's like um, if I was going to share, you know, a story that I wanted someone to remember, sometimes I would include a joke because sometimes when you use a joke, they're like, oh, yeah, I remember that joke. And that joke was about that one sermon. So it's a relatable thing. And when you speak of those concrete kind of things, people can relate to that and go, oh, yeah, I completely understand what you're talking about. And as we get into this, I'll, I'll share some of the modern day um, points that people could really connect to as we get into the parable of the weeds. So the kingdom of heaven, this is small k, not capital K as far as kingdom of heaven. It's actually speaking of the church. So the kingdom of heaven is really talking about the local body of gathering of believers. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. And we know the one that sowed the good seed is Jesus. It's Jesus preaching the, the gospel message. And he said he sowed good seed in the field and the fields and also in the earlier parable, the soil refers to the world. He's simply sowing and he's simply preaching the message to all of the world. Now, here's where it gets good. But while everyone was sleeping, now everyone that he's speaking of is us, the church. While everyone was sleeping, someone came in and they sowed this um, the weeds among the wheat. So first and foremost, the, the, the evil seed didn't necessarily have to be sown, but the church was asleep at the wheel. They were, and, and when you really break down what asleep means, it basically kind of has the connotation of they were just in the practice of going to church, but not really seeking any inner transformation beyond that. They had ceased to extend grace to one another. They stood on the things that they thought should be and they wanted everybody else to match up to those. They, um, they stopped even just this, the simple spiritual practices 
of gathering together in meaningful, life-challenging fellowship. And so believers can gather together, but unless you're in a kind of relationship with other believers to where they really know who you are, to they can really kind of look into your life and challenge you in love. We've talked about um, correcting one another, but only do so in love. If we're in that kind of a, a relationship with one another, then you're not going to be asleep. But they had just kind of gathered together. Oh, yeah, we're all believers and we're all just, you know, you can gather together with believers and non-believers and still do the same thing. But there's a difference that we have at our opportunity if we'll take advantage of it when we really, you know, because you can ask someone, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing fine. And then you can say, OK, well, how are you really doing? And they're like, OK, well, do you have a half an hour? <laughs> And then, you know, a lot of it is people's willingness to share. And the other half of it is a person's willingness to set aside that time to listen. So that's, that's what I mean by that. And also the simple spiritual practices of prayer. The simple spiritual practices of being in the word. Not just the, okay, I listened to my Bible verse on, on the way to work today. And not that that's not a good practice. I think any opportunity that you have to get the word of God into your brain, into your life, into your week is great because you'll be amazed that whatever verses you put into your heart, God will use as a resource in your week. You're like, oh my gosh, I have a scripture for that. I know exactly how to answer that very challenge that the enemy has put to me. So I just wanted to highlight that. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy, and we know the enemy is the devil, came and sowed weeds among the wheat. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elaborate a little bit more on what the weeds are as we get into the scripture, but I don't want to steal any thunder from that. And so he says, and then the, the sentence ends, and he went away. So this is very interesting. The enemy didn't come and stay. He took opportunity when everyone was vulnerable. And we were in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says, and give no opportunity to the devil. We're, we're to be, in fact, earlier in that verse, it says, be circumspect. Do not give any opportunity to the devil. That word circumspect, I always think of, think of like a circumference. It's like if you were... If you were in, you know, Cowboys and Indian days and you had a fort, every once in a while they would kind of walk around the perimeter of the fort and make sure that there was no vulnerabilities, make sure that there wasn't anything where they could dig under the wall or maybe somebody left a shutter open so they could crawl in through a window. We need to be aware of the entire um, surrounding of our spiritual condition and see if we have left any areas of vulnerability open because the enemy, just as, just as um, we do good things, the enemy is always out there waiting for a vulnerability. How many times do we hear throughout the year of a cyber attack on something? Capital One just got, just got attacked. Who did they get attacked through? AWS, do you know what AWS is? Amazon Web Services. Amazon hosts this entire cloud system across the world and they businesses put all of their information in the cloud and there was a vulnerability within the Amazon Web Services that allowed this um, vulnerability to attack Capital One. We've seen it with Equifax. We've seen it with our own government. How it's like, you know, you would think that with the NSA and all the technology that we have, oh yeah, our government is impenetrable. There are entire series of, and not to just pick on them, but one of them is a reality. There's an entire sector of the Chinese army that all they do is attack spirit or attack cyber security weaknesses. 
when I was working up in Santa Fe, uh, I worked. We one of the websites that we that we worked on was the um, Convention Visitors Bureau, and it had probably ten thousand pages, and so it was one of the bigger websites here in New Mexico. And we were noticing that we were getting attacks at certain points on our network. But what was very interesting when we started graphing the attacks, we could see that it was in the timeline in Chinese in China, 8 a.m to noon, and then after lunch from noon to 5 p.m. So literally it was during these business hours that these Chinese military people could have been attacking us. And then we finally, we finally got the thread back to that IP address and we're like, oh, okay, it's coming from somewhere over in China and we were able to, to remedy that stuff. But so anywhere there is a vulnerability, there's gonna be some force of evil out there that's gonna try to um, take advantage of that. And so we're silly to think that, oh, you know, we kind of want to walk around with this sense of, oh yeah, I'm, I'm completely secure, I'll never be hacked, I'll never be, but in the same way that um, we have that sense of, you know, maybe the shades are pulled over our eyes, we don't want to acknowledge that, the same thing is true in the spiritual realm. When we, when we look at things that we shouldn't be looking at, when we go places that we shouldn't be that we shouldn't be at, when we're even in conversations about things that we shouldn't be in conversation about, the enemy doesn't want us to think that it's a threat. He, want us, he wants us to just go, oh no, it's no big deal. Everybody, you know, it's like you tell your kids that and you, and you think as an adult that you're not gonna be susceptible to peer pressure, but peer pressure is just as great as an, as, as an adult as it is when you're kids because you want to be a part of what's going on in the modern world. You wanna be up to date with your technology. Um, I, I work as a web guy and uh, so I'm always looking at all of the different things that are coming down on the internet. And there was one app that I use all the time and they said, if you use this app, you should uninstall it immediately. Because they were saying that it has the ability just, because have you ever gone in there and it says, allow, click okay. It's gonna now have access to your contacts and your camera and your, you know, all of these different things. You're like, yeah, they're, I'm sure they're a trustworthy bunch of folks. And so, <laughs> you know, and, and now you've got your, your phone sitting there on your nightstand and oh, somebody turned my recorder on. And you don't know that this is going on, but these are just the examples of the things. So if this is taking place in the, the real realm in which we live, how much more in the spiritual realm where we don't see all of the strategic devices that are at play? Amen? All right. So we, and, and I simply say that because it says that he, um, while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came in because he had an opportunity. He sowed the evil seed and then he went away because we're going to see what happens next. It says in verse 26, when the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. So the seeds of the weeds were planted right alongside of the wheat. They grew, but they were not even known. They didn't even know that they were growing until that season of life in the wheat when the weeds started to, to bud the little heads that you see. And so I was looking this up and the actual weed that they're talking about here is a wheat called Darnell. And it was actually a weed that was planted to sabotage crops. Because as it first grows in its first um, few weeks or months, it looks exactly like the sprout of a weed. 
It looks indistinguishable from the little plant as it's coming out of the ground. And the, the Romans would actually do that. They would go in and they would sabotage these, these fields that were growing in order to overcome their enemies. And so that's kind of like the enemy to come in in disguise, dressed as something else, something benign, something that wouldn't give itself away. And so now this weed is growing up. The owner's servant came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow seed in your field? Didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? Now the servant here, this is a good example. This servant is a discerning believer. They're coming to all of these folks that have been asleep and they're now saying, you know what? I see that there's something growing up next to this something that's bearing fruit. This other thing isn't bearing any fruit. And now as I look at the weed and it's beginning to bear fruit, it's now known by its lack of harvest, its lack of bearing fruit. And that's exactly the same way. So basically that's what a weed is, is it comes in to the church. We're not talking about the world here. We're talking about the body of Christ. There are those that come in and sometimes the, the weeds are going in. They don't even know that they're a weed because in all actuality, they're trying to be religious or they have, in fact, it says in Second Timothy 3, 5 and 7, they have the appearance of godliness, but they deny its power. And in verse 7, it says, they're always learning, but never able to arrive at the knowledge of truth. They sit there. Have you ever been like studying for an exam and it's kind of late at night, you know, like a good exam studier. It's like maybe two o'clock in the morning and you read and then you read that same sentence. Over. You read that same sentence over about 15 times and it's just not going into your brain. You can't force it through the, the soft tissue parts of your head. That's kind of exactly what he's talking about here. They put themselves in these places where they should be able to learn and grow and perceive and apply, but it, but it never comes to pass. And it's because what's going on inside doesn't match what's going on outside. There's no inner transfer, transformation taking place. And so the owner's servant, he comes, he discerns by the lack of fruit that there are weeds in their midst. And the master confirms an enemy did this. He replied, the servants then ask him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Of course. If you see a weed, what would you want to do? You want to pull it up. You want to get rid of it. That is our solution. He says, no, because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the, the wheat with them. Now, let's get into a little bit of the nature of a weed. Number one, is it easy to pull up a weed that's, that's like a foot tall? You really have to apply some force to it. And that's why the master is saying, no, don't do this, because the action required to remove the weed is violent. And the weed is growing up right next to the wheat. And if, uh, when, I had, when I used to have lawn, I would have some weeds that would grow up there. So I would try to pull out the weeds. Well, what would end up happening was I would pull up a section of a sod because like grass would come along with it because now let's not denigrate the weed too bad. Let's, let's look in nature and what a weed is actually for. A weed's purpose is to maintain and to build the soil. So a weed grows and it, uh, the root system grows very deep. It surrounds all of the the plants around it and the benefit that that has is when the rain comes 
Now you have these little tributaries so that the rain can seep right into the soil. Otherwise, have you ever tried to like dig in a part where it's just been sunbaked and you're like, even with a pickaxe, you're like, you barely get the dust to go? With a weed, it's actually permeating through the soil and creating these little rivers and tributaries very deep down so that when the rain comes, it just doesn't wash away. It actually seeps into the soil. And in the and in the same vein, after harvest season, the weed remnant is still there. The roots have now formed this net or mesh over the soil so that when those winds blow, it doesn't blow off that top layer of topsoil. It maintains the soil. But another interesting thing, when you think about a weed, and so we just said that the word soil and the word field are synonymous with the word world, as it's talking about in the parables. So if you look at the whole life cycle and the growth cycle and the harvest of what a weed is for, it's only to be thriving in the world, in the soil. Nothing spiritual. It's really, it's something that's corruptible. And that's why when you sow into the soil, when you sow into the world, you're only going to reap that of the world. You are not going to sow or reap anything of spiritual or lasting or eternal value. Okay, so he's so now the weed as we look at it. So let's personalize the weed as he's speaking of it in the church. He's saying it's actual people in your church and a weed. We've kind of talked about what's very interesting is a weed has a lot of the same characteristics as those in the church that were asleep. They're ones that are only about the outward display of religion. They're not really interested in any kind of depth or inner transformation. They, they don't really participate in things that are going to build their faith because really their, their desires, their goals, their priorities are very worldly. And so they're known by their fruit or their lack of fruit. And so the weeds are going to grow up around all of these wheat that are the believers that are actually bearing fruit. And so the master is saying, you know what? The, each weed may be at a different um, stage in its life cycle. And there's probably some wheat that has grown very close to these weeds. If you pull one up, you're going to kill the other. And so God's heart is to preserve the growth potential for the wheat. And he said, because of that, you're going to have weeds. And that's, that's the reality in which we live in. In this world, you're going to have weeds. It reminds me of another scripture that Jesus talked about in John 16, 33. He was speaking to his disciples. Jesus was about ready to, be, to ascend to heaven. And he said, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have weeds, tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So it's not a, it's not a good news message, I'm sorry to say. We're going to have weeds in the world. But what he is saying is that he's given us a capacity, he's given us a potential to overcome the weeds. And one of the great things about it is God's heart for us is to preserve the growth potential in all of us, no matter some of the collateral that may be um, associated with that. But he's also saying that, you know what, this, I'm not going to separate the weeds from the wheat right now, but there is a time coming that time is called harvest time when he's going to pull up the weeds and in so doing, he's going to take the weeds in one bundle 
and he's going to tie him up and he's going to throw him in the fire. And that's that they have now um, fulfilled their growth purpose, their life cycle. They're just, that, that's it. I'm sorry to say that's, that's the entire um, destiny of that weed. But now the wheat, it's, it's harvested because it's fully ripened. The season has now also completed for the life cycle of the wheat. The Christian has now fully borne its fruit. And now they get to enjoy. The, they can shine like the sun, as it says, in the kingdom of God. And that's a wonderful thing. So I think the question that that leaves with all of us is, what do we do about the weeds? Sorry, I need to get a quick drink of water here. So he says, let's both grow together until harvest. That's why I've entitled this message, let the weeds grow. Just let them grow. So what does that mean for us? Do we just turn a blind eye then when we see that the, the corruption building around us? No. But please see previous message when I talked about judgment. The ways in which we are to judge, to be discerning, to be correcting, to offer instruction to fellow believers, and the ways that we reserve judgment for God. There is a very fine line, and that line is marked by the one word called relationship. If you're in relationship with someone, you have the potential and the ability, and I would even say the responsibility, to, to correct a brother or sister that they would be turned back from their wicked ways, that, that, that they would be brought back into the fold. If we were to just go out and correct any person, if there's, there's a lot of you that, that I know by name, but I don't know you personally. And if I was to come up to you and go, hey, you know, I saw you doing this the other day, you would walk away going, you know, you might give me lip service and go, oh, okay, thanks for bringing that to my, to my attention. And you'd be walking away like, who does that guy think he is? You'd be a bully. You'd be critical because I haven't established a presence in your life of intimate relationship that has given me permission and access with love, because you don't know what my intent is for you. Maybe I'm just a, an insecure snob that I'll, I'm going to build my, myself up by looking at all of your weaknesses and fallibilities. You, may, you, you don't know that I have your best in mind. All you're going to think of me and perceive of me as being a, a critical boob, you know? Somebody that, that doesn't have anything but my own self-interest in mind. But if I take time to get to know you, be in relationship with you, understand your perspective. How many times have, have we been offended or frustrated by someone because they've maybe lashed out or, or, you know, or blown up? We don't know the three hours that has preceded that one blow up. We don't know. I know that myself, thank God, I have been in situations where I have wanted to just burst. And God's like, take a step back. You don't need to lose your job over this one situation. <laughs> you know, and, and sometimes it's just everything just kind of um, summits at that one place. We were moving through the months of uh, May and June. And then my boss came up to me on a Thursday and she said, we're moving you. And I'm like, what? We're, and I had a, a, a nice size office with a little conference area for the trainings that I do. They put me in this tiny little room where I barely could fit two other chairs to do my trainings. It's, it's temporary, it's been temporary now for about the last month and a half. But that was, I would, that was a point for me where I was just like, are you kidding me? I was just like, what is the purpose of this? 
And I was trying to, I was trying to remain professional. And so when, <laughs> when my boss sat me down and she's like, how's everything going? I was like, it's, it's fine. She's like, really? She was kind of, she, she kind of knew that there was something bubbling under the surface. So she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, everything's fine. You know, I, was, I wasn't about to, at that point in time, I was like, this is a temporary situation. These things will be worked out in time. And from that time, I've even had people come into my office and they're like, because all my boxes are still there. <laughs> I have a little, I used to have three screens because I do a lot of stuff and I need to be able to see it. My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. And now I have one little laptop sitting on this little tiny shelf where I literally, I'm like, are you sitting? And control plus, 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 plus. It's like 32 point font. Okay, that's what that says. It's like, wow, I can't even read emails anymore. <laughs> so um, the enemy takes opportunity when we know, when he knows we're the most vulnerable. We need to get that in our heads because there's a lot of times where we set off to do something amazing for God. We're so excited because we, you know, there's very few times when you really have an opportunity to make a difference. You know, every once in a while you're like, oh, cool, you know, you know, like maybe you're at the store and somebody doesn't have enough money. So you're like, oh, I'll, t- I'll, I'll help you out with that. You know, you give them 37 cents because they don't have quite enough change or whatever. But every once in a while you have an amazing opportunity to make a difference. And you're like, man, I'm going to do this. And you, you go charging right in. And there's so many steps involved in the process. And the enemy's like, oh, 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 oh. I know exactly where I will try to trip you up. The devil is in the details, right? We all know that, that he's going to try to steal our thunder. He's going to try to steal our passion. He's going to try to take a wonderful opportunity and turn it into something that we, that we will never even want to... Because sometimes you get so frustrated, what do you tell yourself? I'm never going to do this again. I'm never going to try to do something nice again because it's just not worth it. And the enemy's like, I've just achieved exactly what I set out to do in this situation. And it's in those situations specifically that we need to be on our guard. As many things as we are preparing in the real world, we need to be covering in the spiritual world. We need to provide a canopy over ourselves so that it can dodge the darts and arrows of the enemy who's trying to get in there and who's trying to destroy or disturb or distract the very plans that God has for us. So, verse, let me see, where are we? He says, let them both grow together until harvest. And at that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So we know that there is an end plan for the weeds. We know that until that day comes, that we have to live with the weeds. And that simply means that we're to be discerning about the believers around us. That we shouldn't just take them, if you don't know them, that we shouldn't just take what they say at face value. I think that, I don't even think that that's good advice just for the church. I think that's good advice in the world. Because a lot of things come our way and it seems really good. I think that we need to do a little bit of background. All you have to do is watch those crime shows on TV, especially you see these guys that have like, you know, they, they parade to be like, oh yeah, I'm this rich guy and I have a yacht and I'm a CEO over this big Fortune 500 company. And they, they woo these, these ladies 
And they're like, oh, this guy, he's so great. And, you know, and maybe they even say that, that they're a Christian because that's what the lady is. And it's like, oh, this is great. And, and then within a month, they've moved into this lady's house. It's like, okay, you're this rich, but you have to move in with me. That's kind of, that could, should, should be kind of a, a red flag as it is. And then, oh, this is great. Oh, you're so good with money. Let me put you on my bank account. And then they sign them on the bank account. And then a week later, they're gone. And so is all of the lady's stuff in her bank account. It's because they, they so quickly wanted to believe that good word without doing any homework, without being discerning, without praying, without getting references, you know, without knowing who it is that they're going to be in fellowship with. And so that's what I would say um, as a point of caution for those in the church that are called weeds, but also understand that God has said they're in a growth cycle. And that growth cycle could mean that if they're really sowing things of evil, guess what? There's going to come a quick end to that. Because one of the aspects of a weed is the growth cycle is very quick. A, re a weed grows and it dies and is replaced by another weed. So in the time that it takes for a, the wheat bud to grow, you may have two or three growth cycles of the life of a weed. And that's, once again, to maintain and to build the soil so that you have almost this undergrowth of mesh that's maintaining the soil and keeping it in place. And so they're going to be known by their fruits. You should be looking for those fruits or the lack of fruit. And you should say, wow, it seems like I've been doing the same thing that they say that they've been doing, and yet I'm reaping this harvest, and yet they're going through all of these different things where they're just struggling and struggling and struggling. And even God says that after a while, he will give those over that are seeking after sin to their own appetites. So that even through the ramifications of the conclusion of that, they're going to come to their own end. And, and we know, we, we see that in the world. Sometimes we say that it takes for a person getting to their lowest point before they'll finally reach out and call for God. And so we don't know what God's purposes are, but maybe those weeds that are in the church, simply by us focusing on what God is doing in our lives, we can then be a light and, and shine for them to provide the way for them to follow. Because let's be honest, not all of us are completely aware of our walk until we turn around and go, oh wow, man, I have really been walking off course for quite a while. We need to have that discernment like the servant who says, hey, who planted these weeds when you planted good seed? And so as I conclude today, I want to just um, end with Matthew 13, verse 43. And what's interesting is a parable is such a simple story that it's actually only um, worthwhile for people that are humble and really serious about listening to that story. The proud and the careless, they wouldn't even bother listening to, oh, that's just a simple child story. I don't need to hear that. They're missing the deep truths that are packaged in this parable. And that's why Jesus ends with this. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. All, all, he's basically saying you all have the potential to be transformed if you will hear. Sean kind of touched on this a couple sermons ago. Um, to my chagrin, sometimes my wife will be talking to me. I'll be on the tablet or on the phone, and I'll be listening. You know, I'll be kind of aware. And then there will be a few key words that I'm like, oh, wait, this sounds important. So I have to put it down. <laughs> and face her because I know there will be a quiz at some point in the future. I told you about that a week ago 
and I kind of have early Alzheimer's in some aspect. She's like, you don't remember that? You were the, that was your own child. My, my daughter and son were over the other day and they were sharing some stories and I was like, wow, I don't even remember that. You, how old were you? <laughs> were you living with me at the time? It was amazing. So <laughs> it's one thing to listen and it's another thing to hear. Hearing, let me give you this little tidbit. Hearing comes with a sense of expectation. You're listening for change. You're listening with confidence because you want a different outcome from where you are. You know, it's like when you go through, have you ever like needed to learn how to do something? Where do you go? You go to YouTube. You're like, oh great, there's a, there's a video for that. I had to replace some some coolant stuff in my car this week. So I was like, oh, please, 2006 Civic. How to, and there it was, this guy was there. Oh, I was like, good camera angles. This is great. I know exactly where the sensors go. I know exactly what I need to do. I listened intently because I didn't want to screw it up and have to spend more money. That's the same sense of expectation that God says we should have with him. It says, he who comes to God should believe that he is God and he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you're going to seek God, do so with expectation, with diligence, and then be open to listen to what it is that he has to share with you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. I pray that within this parable, Father God, that something has been packaged for us to, to take away, to share, that Father God, your Holy Spirit would cause the truths of your word to be applied in whatever way it needs to be applied, um, to transform us that our inner man would be stronger and more resourced for the week ahead that you've blessed us with, with so many opportunities. Lord, let us be expectant for the things that you want to do in and through us as we walk beside you each day. Lord God, we give you the praise and the glory. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this inspirational message. Please email questions, comments, and booking information for John to mail at johnlongwell.com to see the full range of creative works including books, inspirational messages, music, art, and web development content. Please log on to www.johnlongwell.com. Thank you for listening and may God's blessings be yours in abundance.